G'day guys, I'm Aaron Schultz and this is episode number 37 of the Outback Mind podcast. Really grateful for you joining in. Uh, very special episode this one. I have uh, an Aboriginal man by the name of Graham Toomey with me today. Um, really, uh, really happy and fortunate to be able to have Graham along. He has such a, an amazing story to tell um, us and we can all learn a lot from this conversation um, about uh, the trauma that Indigenous people have experienced, um, not only in this current generation, but you know past generations that go way back um, to when white men arrived. Um, and a big part of this podcast, I really want to try and lay a foundation to try and help educate people within rural Australia a bit more about um, uh, Aboriginal Australians and uh, and their, their terrific culture, the, uh, the tremendous connection to the land, the spirit uh, of the land, and basically what we can all learn from that. So these guys uh, have got so much to teach us. We just need to be able to be able to uh, be open to that and to be able to you know learn from people like Graham that can give us such a great insight into what's happened um, uh, over the past and be able to sort of reintegrate that uh, and make that um, you know front of mind with regards to the land we walk upon because there's such a strong history uh, before white men arrived that we are pretty much unconscious of in many ways and you know through conversations like this one with Graham and, and more to come we're going to be able to be more connected to that so I really uh, appreciate you joining in listening to this conversation it's going to be a, a pretty insightful and long one so uh, sit back and enjoy um, and if you need to listen to in two parts please do just want to try and make special mention to uh, B, uh, B Primal that also support the podcast. Um, they provide minimalist footwear, uh, which keep us connected to the earth, which uh, I, I really love. So if you want to check them out, their website is uh, B Primal, the letter B Primal.com.au. And also Green Nutritionals that provide um, sensational organic superfoods. Uh, they're a, a primary partner of this podcast. And I just really want to try and encourage people to uh, look after their physical and mental health by, by using uh, good nutritional products to do that, and they provide tremendous ones. So please check out their website and support them. Uh, their website is greennutritionals.com.au. Uh, thank you very much for joining. Uh, we'll get Graham on the, on the uh, podcast now, and I hope you really uh, enjoy our conversation. I really appreciate your feedback following this one. So thanks very much. Graham Toomey, welcome to the Outback Mind podcast. You there, mate? Yes. Yeah, mate. How are you going? Yeah, good. How are you? Yeah, very well, mate. Thanks for thanks for joining me. I really appreciate uh, appreciate your time and uh, and you know uh, spending spending the next hour or so uh, helping myself and uh, and people listening out there learn more about you as an individual and your culture. So, mate, uh, we're going to have a pretty. Uh, Pretty good conversation as uh, as we have on previous ones you and I have had um, to you know talk more about your own upbringing and um, you know sort of what that's been like uh, where you've sort of come to now and um, you know talk more about your people and uh, try and educate uh, more people throughout rural Australia to um, learn more about Aboriginal people and what they can actually teach us so. Graham, can you give us a bit of a background of, of, of your upbringing, where you were brought up? You know, I know we've spoken about you were sort of living in two cultures, um, you know, uh, sort of coming through your childhood. Could, could you take us through that, mate? 
Yeah, no problem. First thing I, I want to do is acknowledge that I'm on Vigical Country, acknowledge um, their elders past and present, uh, acknowledge any Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander person that's listening now and acknowledge uh, your country and your elders, pay my respects to your elders, um, pay my respects to, to my clan, the Warramunga clan of the Wiradjuri Nation, uh, to my other bloodline, the Wanjiaban people, pay my respects to elders past and present as well. So just recognising that um, Australia has 350 Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander nations and recognise that all of them still have a continuing very strong connection to their land, culture and people. So, yeah, look, um, I've had a pretty interesting life, particularly my younger life. Uh, I grew up in a little... I was born in a little place called Narromine in western New South Wales. Mm -hmm. uh, my Aboriginal father and my non-Aboriginal mother had two other siblings, my two brothers, my older brother and my younger brother. Um, so we, we grew up very poor. My father was a shearer and my mother did various jobs like cleaning, working at the local hotel to try and put food on the table. So my old man was a very um, hard worker, um, but he also um, lived a life where he was always down the pub and all those sorts of things. So, um, yeah, but around us was our Aboriginal relatives and my beautiful Aboriginal grandmother, my father's father, and he had um, three brothers and two sisters. So my childhood's a bit vague. Mm. Uh, as far back as I can remember, um, I remember uh, no floorboards on the house, um, not much food to eat. Uh, what we had was lots of family and lots of relatives around, lots of happy times playing with my Aboriginal relatives. Mm. Wasn't so many white fellas around. Um, and everything sort of changed when they separated when I was about five years old. Mm. And I don't remember much before I was five, but I can certainly remember a lot after that with the separation. It wasn't a very pretty separation. Mm. Uh, I remember growing up with lots of um, shouting and fighting and anger during that period and to the point it affects me a lot uh, now mm. um, because I can't, I guess I experience all those nasty sort of things and if I hear people shouting or uh, fighting and stuff, I, I get quite anxious about that. So it certainly affected me deeply at, at that young age. Mm, triggers and yeah. I guess I was trying to figure out um, not not I well who I was, you know. So uh, obviously the separation meant that 
my father, I was living with my mother mm. and there was uh, weekend trips with my, my dad. And that, that was confusing in itself. And so, you know, there was um, going to school as, uh, look, we, we'd moved to a, a larger town called Dubbo. Yep. And Dubbo is a very racist place, um, suffered a lot during school. Um, the Aboriginal children back then were all sort of hanging around each other and not involved in things. And there was lots of bullying and fighting and all those sorts of things in the schoolyard. Mm, yep. And yeah, like I said, I'm trying to weigh up, well, who am I? I live with, uh, 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 you know, my mother's very loving and caring, did extraordinary things for us. And there was her, her relatives and her, her parents who were quite, quite nasty to me and my brothers. Mm. We've got to think about that, uh, that separation probably, even though a lot of people on my white family didn't understand why that separation happened. Maybe they uh, thought reasons uh, other than what it was really about. Mm. And I remember many things uh, that my mother's mother used to say to us Aboriginal kids and they weren't, weren't good. So look, uh, there's a lot of that sort of torn between two tribes as to who I am and what we're about. And me and my brothers stuck very close to each other. So, and so we're still very close because we uh, we, we lived the, the life together. But um, my dad used to come and pick us up and take us back to back to a little place called Trangy where, where he was living, which is not far from Narromine where I was born. And it was quite amazing. Uh, felt like a holiday most of the time. Uh, we would get spoiled pretty good when we were back there in Trangy. And I always remember my grandmother having cupcakes ready for us when we turned up and big hugs. Mm. And they were so loving and caring towards me and my brothers. Mm. And we had lots of those aboriginal relatives around uncles and aunties and like i said they had no floorboards they're very poor people but they're very rich in uh their, their uh, family qualities mm. and what family meant to them mm. and their culture and and themselves as aboriginal people and always telling me and my brothers be proud of who you are, don't go out there and tell people you're Aboriginal mm. uh, because at that time there was a lot of uh, removing of, of children mm. and and I can get to that where I was nearly removed twice but um, like I said, when we went back to Trangy for those trips it was uh, incredible moments of this extraordinary care and love for me and my brothers and and then we'd go back to this white world where 
a lot of things didn't make sense. So your mum was white, Graham, is that right? Your mum was white, but your, your, your father was Aboriginal? Yes. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, so all her family, obviously, white fellas, and the town itself, uh, the school, it was all about white people and how Aboriginal people were. There wasn't a lot of us around in the school and in classes, and... It was pretty tough, pretty tough going, you know. It was a lot, lot going on, uh, obviously, in my life and school. I hated, couldn't really fit in there. I didn't feel like I was getting a lot of support. felt like if I blinked or turned my head the wrong way, I'd get into trouble mm-hmm. from certain teachers. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, little towns like that, everyone knows each other's business. Yeah. Yep. And you'd only have to walk down the street with your white mother and three little Aboriginal kids and get you know, pretty pretty disgusting looks yeah. and stuff like that. So pretty pretty tough and you, bur- you carry that and you're, you're burdened with it. But uh, I, like I said, um, one day the, I remember me and my brothers playing out the backyard and I heard my mother just yell out, run, run into the bush. And we had plenty of bush around where we lived. Mm. And we didn't know what she was going. She was screaming, uh, crying, and there was a police car out the front. And we didn't quite know what was going on, but we just ran. Mm. I guess we heard of situations and other relatives that one minute we were playing with and the next minute they were gone. And I, that happened a lot. But like I said, we we ran into the bush and we came back well into into the night and my mother was there and all that sort of stuff and yeah, that was uh, that was pretty you know traumatic. Didn't quite understand what it sort of was. It wasn't until my mother explained that that was allowable then that. Aboriginal children were being removed from their parents, particularly in a situation like ours. How old were you then? And I was probably about seven or eight. Mm, okay. And then it happened another occasion and we just hid inside under the bed. Mm. And I always reflect on that and look back on on that policeman. He... He could have waited, he could have came inside, he could have taken us away, but maybe he thought that was the wrong thing that was going on. Yeah. And so I guess I'm blessed. I guess I'm very lucky that I wasn't removed because, like I said, there was many times that we went out there on the weekend visits with my dad and you'd play with some of your cousins and you'd come back next time and they weren't there. Mm-hmm. And you just noticed that children were disappearing all the time, and mm-hmm. there was, uh, you know, there was still that happiness amongst people, but there was certainly a lot of sadness, and it was just a a really um, terrible part to try and put everything together at that age. And mm-hmm. as I sort of moved into older school and and those sorts of things uh the visits stopped 
and that was pretty hard to, to take because I, I really wanted to be around my Aboriginal father and his and his mother and aunties and uncles because they were just there was just this different kind of love and care, you know. Mm, yeah. And um, and I guess because I was surrounded by white fellas and some of them weren't particularly good, um, you know, and I was suffering that racism at school, I wanted to get away from all that and get out where there was, you know, there was this freedom. Yeah, yeah. So, and, you know, that's... When I ever I go back on country and I go back to uh, Trangy and Narramite, uh, that's all I reflect about is that those things that I lived lived through and experienced. But there's still this very strong connection, and you know I feel quite fortunate that I'm a black fella and I've, I've got that connection. I've got those experiences and. Uh, it, it's a it's a strange one, I guess. That some some of your listeners are probably thinking, you know, like, um, you know, when when I say it, probably shaped me into who I am. That might be a strange thing for people to understand, but uh, it probably did lead me to, you know, when I got older, to to do things that I that I wanted to do, and I guess those experiences helped in how I understood things and how I could relate and, and and do things. So I guess living with that trauma and and that grief and fear and and those sorts of things because you know fear is a very is a very appropriate word because I spent uh, a lot of my childhood after those experiences of nearly being removed living in fear and very quiet you couldn't get much out of me because I was afraid what I might say or, you know, there was a lot of, there was a lot of um, campaigns, if you want to call it, about keeping your mouth shut and just put your head down and just, and deal with that. But there was also, you know, because of school that when you opened your mouth, more, more than likely you got shut down anyway, yeah, you know, so yeah. there was lots of fights that I got into at school where I tried to defend myself and stick, you know, not cop the stuff, but most of the time you're outnumbered and those sorts of things. So those sort of things, I guess, like I said, shaped me into being a strong person and not take no shit and just deal with, with things like that. But, you know, it does at times when you reflect about things or experiences happen in in today's life, it, it does take you back and and think that things ain't right. And I get particularly upset with um, the children uh, and families these days. My my mops people being you know persecuted or dealing with that fear and grief and trauma. Mm. And yeah, so because I can understand that and relate to that. Um, that's sort of my passion is to to try and help my people out, you know, so. Yeah. Yeah, Graham, I, I really, really appreciate you, you sharing that. That's, that's pretty deep stuff. Um, 
A lot of people listening to this throughout Australia in rural communities, um, you know, our age or, or beyond that would relate to what you've gone through um, uh, fairly significantly, you know, with what you were saying, um, it gave me flashbacks of some young Indigenous guys that were going through exactly the same thing as you. There were, I used to, I, I befriended a young guy around the corner for me when I was a young fella. Uh, I'd go there, there was no floorboards. Um, they, they were teased because of that. Um, uh, you know, the school teachers never gave them any respect. They were fighting all the time. Um, all those sorts of things that actually made people um, disconnect from them and, and dislike them because of their behaviour. And, you know, it's, it's so... It, it does frustrate me, I've got to admit that, that, uh, that this sort of thing was allowed to go on because, geez, mate, um, you know, I just, I just believe it's a pivotal moment in time now to be able to re-divert the way that we behave as humans and this uh, domination of, um, uh, of supremacy, uh, as it may seem, to be able to um, you know, disconnect uh, people for their race or, or whatever it may be is, is totally, um, uh, you know, in the past. It's time now to be able to, to reshape that. And I believe we've come a long way, but there's still a long way to go. We've got such a tremendous opportunity to learn from your people and what your people um, have been able to um you know, do over the thousands and thousands of years you've had on this land, and you know this is um, this is the start of it, mate. I think we're going to really um, uh, be able to live uh, more uh, connected, uh, moving into modern society, Graham. So I really appreciate you you sharing that. So with regards to to you moving through your childhood and coming at the other end of the the problematic school system. How was that adult life for you? Did you hit booze and, and do all those sorts of things that maybe made you give, made, made you sort of um, get some temporary happiness through through that? Or um, did you just sort of go into a, a job and sort of manage your life um, quite well? Yeah, but if I can just go back a little bit to, to my younger days, um, and all, all those black fellas that are listening, you know, uh, I'm sure you're... you're experience the same but our our families and our our cousins and our you know like because we we don't know you know there's been we've lost so much Mm. um it's just such a powerful and beautiful thing to think that our families and and how we stick together and uh and you know support each other and and can relate to each other and most of us just don't have Things we have lucky to have a house or a car, or you know, we just live with uh, being disadvantaged and being poor. But like I said earlier, that the richness is, is just you know our, our values and our towards our families and our mm. our mob and 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 how we can proudly say those things. And you know, it just to me saying things like my mob and my country and you know my family and that you know i get uh tingles throughout my body because those are the things that mean mean the most to me you know and 
like I said, I'm very fortunate. I'm sure that other blackfellas listen feel the same that, you know, we, we don't have much and we experience so much pain and, and fear and, and trauma. But what we have is an ancient culture and a bloodline that, that others don't have. And, and I feel very, I feel so fortunate that I'm able to, to live my life as a black fella. You know, yes, I've got English through me and Irish and those sorts of things and I respect and value that side of my bloodline, but uh, it's just something very magical about uh, the Aboriginal things and how you journey through your life and, and that Aboriginal heritage and culture captures those things that just, you know, then you say to yourself, geez, I'm bloody lucky I've got that, you know mm. what I mean? Because I've lived so many things. And look, when, when I go back on country, I just get so overwhelmed to the point many times I just cry and break down. And I, I'm trying to put a perspective on that and why why it's like that. And I just think it it's embedded in me that, uh, I, I just can't value it enough. And I guess that, you know, that anxiety of travelling, you know, it's six hours from Sydney in a car. So mm. I guess it's that expectation and that knowing that when I return to country that it just overwhelms me to the point where I feel, you know, and I'm not sad about it. It's just, it's very, it's a very spiritual thing. Mm. And you're like you're, You've just, uh, you know, you've just let out something that's been in you that needed to get out and return back to where it comes from, yeah. you know. So yeah. I'm sure a lot of your know, Blackfell listeners relate to that and and can understand that. And um, and that, that's what makes, you know, life to me, um, that, that's what carries me through my life on those really tough days where, I, I experience things or I, when I'm working around my people and what they go through, that's what drives me. And mm. like I said, um, well, you know, as I, as I grew into a man and look, I'm married a, a beautiful woman. I'm very, very fortunate. I've got, I've known her since I was 13 years old mm. and <laughs> I married her, uh, yeah, and uh, we had two beautiful kids, Jacob and Emma, mm. and feel very fortunate to be a father. Mm. And I guess that, that, that was a difficult time because um, I had my father around a little bit, but when, when I became a father, I really had to search deep in, in what a father is about yeah. because I didn't, didn't have my father and my role model around and like a lot of things are natural Abe and I love children and I was so proud when my daughter was born and you know pride and all those sorts of things just that sheer relief that you know that there many months of waiting and and I'd see my wife go through things and and to feel that you you've created a life is just something pretty special quite uh, one of the greatest things that I've ever experienced and what a, what a 
you know, and going back to talking about family and those really strong values and and family is, you know, and to have your own family is just a, a special thing as well, you know. So, mm. and, you know, as I, you know, we're doing things tough here. I've never really had great jobs, very, uh, a lot of income, but uh, we always battled through and we're still battling through all those sort of things. But what we have is a family and, and, each other you know so um yeah so i was doing many sort of jobs i worked at sydney city council there for for many years as a surveyor's assistant Mm -hmm. and that was interesting coming from the bush into the city for the first time i quickly fell in love with sydney because i loved the the way that um there was so much happening all the time so many things to see it was just a different, completely different world to, to you know, Narrabri, Trangia and Dubbo, little country towns, but yeah. it was very exciting and being at, you know, around my mid-20s, uh, there was lots of things to see and do uh, and all that sort of stuff. So, uh, and I still really love Sydney. It drags you down, yeah, and there's lots of things that ain't so good about it that, uh, you've got to make it your home, and and but you know, returning returning to country and going into the bush and just being around nature and parks and and all those things that's embedded in my in my who I am uh, takes away that that perspective of of Sydney, you know. So yeah, so look, um, I'm very fortunate that. Um, there was a point where I was able to say to myself, I want to learn more about who I am and my culture and my people. Mm. And I wanted to pursue that. I was quite uh, determined to find that. It just sort of hit me one day that, you know, and I used to think that I was, you know, in my younger life that I was a white fellow with Aboriginal blood. And I, I quickly, once I started finding and, finding out myself and and dabbling into and learning more about the horrific things that our people had, had suffered and gone through, I quickly realised that I was an Aboriginal person with white many blood. Yeah. So, and just weighing up all those things on who I was and the connections that I felt to, to nature and to, uh, you know, and spiritual moments that I've experienced in my life that that quickly changed that perspective on me knowing that I was an Aboriginal person with non-Aboriginal blood and ever since then I've been living my life like that and uh, that that's at times a complicated thing because uh, you know I'm married to a white woman they've got her relatives her parents you know you've got it's this it's not so much a battle but it's just something to be mindful about all the time and there's you can be watching tv with with these white fellas and they're good people they're very loving caring there might be something on there about you know an aboriginal person died in custody Mm. and all of a sudden you've got this very difficult moment that everyone has to try and understand that um that's how it is i'm the only 
blackfella and you know my children in that family mm. and that was a very interesting time for us or for myself in getting to understand them and getting to to understand me i took took their daughter away uh she came and lived with me in sydney so there was some some times there that they really must have thought well you know and i'm not saying they um stereotyped me as a as a black fella and back back in those days in the 1980s uh black fellas were probably looked at a bit different to how they are today yes um particularly country ones so that was an interesting time but it all worked out well and um so yeah moving into my working life um or, or my career i wanted to learn more about who I am. So I went started studying Aboriginal studies at the Aurora TAFE College in in camp in Sydney. Right. And, you know, I was about what, 40, 40 years old when I was doing that. So I walked into the college and there's all these young people. It's like going back <laughs> to school, eh? Yeah, that's here's, it. Here's this mature age black fellow walking into the college uncertain as to whether he can fit in or go back to school because i hated school but i needed to well i wanted to find out who i am and i wanted to be around my people and learn from my people yeah. Good on you. so it was that it was a quite an interesting moment where i walked through them doors and i had a look around and i was and i turned around and i was just about to walk out and i heard this voice saying hey who are you where are you going yeah. And I turned around and it turned out it was a great man. His name's Ray Leslie. He was a teacher at the college. And I said, oh, I don't think I belong here. I, I'm thinking of doing Aboriginal studies. He said, yeah, come in. Have, have a sit down. We'll have a yarn. And, and I sat down with him and he said, you know, just give it a go. See what it's like and all that. And I tell you, from that moment on, I felt... The security, I felt the belonging, I felt the connection to to my people, mm. and it it affected me deeply. Where I started to learn about Captain Cook, and started to learn about Governor Phillip, and the ex extermination period in our history when our people were uh, murdered mm. and. Um, segregated and just the the most horrific history that anyone on the planet's ever faced yeah and i was part of that and it affected me deeply where uh I, it just consumed my life and seven days a week i was researching studying uh there was assignments where five thousand words i'd write fifty thousand words yeah because yes. i felt that uh, once I started researching and understanding what was going on, the more I read and the more uh, the the more I learnt, the the more it was going to give me the information I needed to move forward and and do what I want to do after that. You know, so but you know once again. You know this this like family this this connection we have as aboriginal people being around our mob and being around strangers but we we we're black fellows we're our skin our 
our makeup, where we come from. We have there's no icebreakers. It's it's just how how it is. You could sit down with someone and just start talking because we experience many things the same, and we're just Aboriginal people. And we're only so much percent of the whole nation, you know. So we there's not a lot of us around, and it's just. Like I said, there's many spiritual moments in my life that determined in knowing that I was an Aboriginal person. And when, one day I went back, you know, I was in the college and I just walked in and started and I went over. I could have sat anywhere, but I went over and sat next to this fellow and we started talking and it turned out that he was related to me. Yeah, unreal. So, you, you know what I mean? I could have sat anywhere. It could have been five minutes earlier, five minutes later, that somehow we were drawn together, we started talking about things and turned out that we were related and all those sorts of things. So uh, it's a pretty uh, amazing world sometimes and uh, that college, uh, I still feel very blessed that I was able to be there for three years and I learned so much in... Uh, doing Aboriginal studies and doing presentations and it and and if like I said when when I was growing up and and into my early, you know I've always been a very quiet person and I'll never forget as part of that course I had to do a presentation in front of the class mm. and like I was, I was the type of kid when I was born I needed to know everything about where we were going, otherwise I'd be physically sick, I'd throw up. So I'm I'm a born warrior. And my mother used to tell me everything and try to calm me down because I'd get very anxious. So anyway, one day I had to do this uh, presentation in front of, you know, the class is probably about 15, 20 Aboriginal. And I tell you, I was just like freaking right out thinking I, I can't do this even though I'd spent months and I, I wanted to do it trapped inside me is this shy shy person shy boy who just mm. needed to to get through something like that and and say that I could do it and then do it after that and it still gets I still get quite anxious about public speaking and and those sorts of things but um, those, those sort of occasions really help once again in shaping me into who I am and helping me becoming a stronger, more connected person to my to my culture and people, you know. So there's many, many great things that that college provided me and I'll never forget it. And while I was at studying Aboriginal um, studies, uh, there was an art class as well. Uh, you could study Aboriginal art. And I went up and had a look at the art they had on display and met some of the students and I thought, oh yeah, I could, I've always loved art and always loved drawing and once again there's this connection to that. Mm. And I started, I enrolled to do Aboriginal art after that. And that also cut me as well and uh, took over my life. I think in the first year I did something like 120 artworks. Yeah, you've and got some incredible I, things on your website, mate. It's, uh, it's amazing what you've actually been able to 
to to unlock. I've observed them, and geez, mate, you you've had this special talent, I, I guess, uh, locked away. Um, you know, from when you were a young boy, and it's sort of come out uh, in later years. Yeah, talk more about that, mate. I think it's really, really important and really beautiful for people to know. Yeah, look, um, it, 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 I'm very fortunate that it found me or I found it. And the moment, very first moment I did very first artwork, um, I felt like that wasn't me that painted it. I looked back on it, I stood stood away from it and looked at it and went, Jesus, like, how, how did I do that? How, you know what I mean? And uh, all my artworks have always been, I feel, very spiritual because I, I paint and I just reflect on uh, an ancient past and, 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 and my people and my country and, and all the stories and all the cultural knowledge that must be contained in that that's, then I'm able to share some of that on an artwork, if that makes sense. And, oh, 100%. Uh, a lot of people express themselves in various ways through instruments or whatever, but if you're flowing and that's coming out of your body into a canvas or whatever, uh, that, that's really your spirit speaking. You know, It's not coming from, from the mind or the ego, it's coming from the, the spirit and the soul. Would you agree? Yeah, and like it wasn't so much like a contest or or like we had to do things to achieve to get a pass. Yes. I just, I felt the more I painted, like the two years before, the more I studied, the more I dabbled into, the more I learnt and the more it, it affected me and wanted me to, to pursue things. And that, that's the beauty about culture and art. It, it can inspire the inside and you, you can be invincible. You can face things that you didn't think that you could do. Mm. You know what I mean? And, and art's just a, a very unique thing that offers uh, extraordinary feelings and, and positive feelings. And, but to me, it's more the, the connection. And if we, we know that country provides healing, we know country provides our life source provides everything that, you know, it's where our family is, it's where our our beliefs, our values, our stories, our everything that is made, every cell in our body is it's attached to our country. So if we're painting something that's connected to country, well then that canvas or that artwork or that sculpture is all is alive and it's a living living thing if that makes sense and it's just that that spiritual connection that i felt right from the word go the very first brush stroke that i made it just felt that was the right thing to be doing and there's no boundaries with art that's what i love about it you can just create something that you know and i've had people look at me and say, oh, I don't like that, and I don't like this, so I don't really care because it, yeah. it's what I want to share to the world and and it's about, it's not so much about me, it's about all those beautiful things that's contained in our culture, you know, so... Graham, yeah, and look, I was gonna, um, sorry to interrupt, mate, I, yeah, I just, I, I th thought it was important to add there that 
the society that we're in is actually like really geared us to be critical and judgmental and that but if we actually are able to learn to embrace what the individual is trying to teach us like you are through your art you just see the beauty that's coming through the human being um whether that be through speech or whether that be through um you know uh artwork or or, or whatever you know that 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 critical side of us and that judgmental side of us is really our, our weakness as humans you know to be able to actually embrace what someone else is doing as an individual and actually giving them gratitude for that i think that's really um that's really powerful and not talked about enough you know we're, we're so quick to judge and uh and so forth and mate oh, i'm really proud of you and you should be proud of yourself to actually stand up for yourself and say well you know I don't really care what you what you think about it. This is me coming out, you know. At the end of the day, yeah. The, look, the art world's a, a white man's world, and mm. it, it's a it's a very intimidating place. And you got to learn very fast when you're having exhibitions or people want to have your work. And you know, it's all about learning and educating and educating other people. But uh, look, one of the most special things about studying art was just sitting around with other black fellas from all sorts of um, different countries and different backgrounds and and just sharing a really creative and positive space where you know we all become friends very quickly and just so interesting to to listen to people and sharing their their stories and sharing their creativity and and it, like I said, it wasn't a competition at all. It was just about people coming there. And many people came there for different reasons. Some people came there like me and more learning about themselves and connecting back to their country and their, their culture. Some people were there for healing. Mm. Some people were were there for, for other reasons. So it was just, a, you know, like I said, that, that world I was in for three years uh, inspired me and and give me uh, that connection that I'm able to to live with now, and which then I moved into where I am now at Gunnawira, and that's just you know, through my life I've been very fortunate at being at the right time at the right place. Not a lot, <laughs> no. I've never I've never won lotto. I don't have a lot of money in the bank. It doesn't matter. I'm not rich and all those sorts of things, but what I've made the most of those moments where uh, it's led its way to me and thankfully I've made, you know, the right decisions. And one of those fortunate occasions was uh, this lady bought one of my artworks at the art exhibition we had at the end of the year and she said, oh, do you mind dropping it around to our organisation and, and sharing the story? So said sure no problem love love sharing that so i went around there and they made me a cup of tea now a beautiful organization called gunawira mm. and so i sat with these white fellas they're all white fellas and i could feel straight away that there, it was a genuine space it was a it was a very caring space uh and i was able to share uh, that story and, and many things about my culture and they said oh you know would you mind coming back and sharing some more knowledge with us we need educating we're working around Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people children communities I said yeah yeah no problem so I came back 
had another cup of tea and started sharing more stuff. And they said, look, are you looking for any work? And I said, yeah, I could probably, because that was about the time I was beginning my art. And I still had to juggle things at home. I was looking after the kids and taking them to school. So I had time where I could fit all this in. So it was perfect in a way that I was sharing that, but also still connecting and understanding who I am and learning who I am and breaking that that shy little boy shell with sharing, you know, and, and doing things in front of strangers. So mm. it was all all sort of coming together there all at through you know, three or three, four, five years time. And um, when I was working with these fellas and sharing, you know, it was it was a very proud moment for me because the many years and the so much research and the writings and everything that I'd learned, I was able to correctly share that. Mm. And I had the confidence, but I had had the proudness to be able to sort of sign finally say, and remember I talked about being a white fellow with Aboriginal bub, well, that, that was gone. Yeah. Because now I was a very strong cultural knowledge blackfellow who was able to proudly share all that stuff that I'd learnt the years before with with these whitefellas. And mm. we we had great times where we could share all those sort of things and 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 watching them and and listening to them and how they were able to then work around our people having that cultural knowledge was a really, really uh, special thing for me. And it inspired me to do more. And they asked me to work a couple more days, which I did. Then I was, they asked me to go up into the country, up in places like Kempsey and Armadale and Lismore and, and teach the little kids up there about that cultural knowledge that I have and share, you know, the art side of things. So. Uh, you know, it was such a a gift for me to be able to give get that opportunity to get that doorway, if you like, and and walk through that doorway and go go and start working with my people. Yeah. And it was just uh, crazy how it all fitted in from about two thousand and ten onwards, mm. and it just flowed into one thing into another. But it all comes back to the culture. Because without the culture and the cultural knowledge, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now. So, you know, it's just extraordinary things that unfolded just by simply connecting back to who I am and my culture and learning about that and really valuing that and respecting that at the same time and just wanting to, to listen to, you know, people sit down with blackfellas and just hear what they're going through and relate to what they're going through. Mm. So, yeah, and then, you know, going up there and sharing some stuff with the kids and being around the kids and being in a in that preschool environment, I felt, you know, instantly connected and felt like I belonged there. Mm. And I did that for many years. I still do it, still go up there and do that stuff with the kids. I love being around the kids and I love like me as a boy i got i was disconnected so i don't want them to be disconnected i want them to be connected i want them to to learn 
and live their lives as Aboriginal people and carry that with them through their lives. So there's no gaps. There's no uncertainties and stuff like that. So, yeah. um, you know, and as I grew into learning more about the organisation and, you know, very passionately um, wanting to be around my people and, and making sure this organisation does things right and the people are well trained. And so there's a no, no things I left unturned there and turned this organisation not, it just needed that cultural input, input and it needed uh, a cultural uh, side of things in with the programs to make it uh, just be more inclusive for everyone. And, you know, we run mothers groups and, and the mothers wanted the culture. The mothers were disconnected. So um, that just kept going on for a year or so. And then the CEO retired and then the board asked me to do it. And I said, yeah, I'll do it, but on one condition that we all do it together mm. because I'm not a CEO. Uh, I can be a CEO. I can be trained. And, but Gunnawira is a very small charity organisation that don't need titles that like that you have to have them because it's a white man's way of uh for yeah. governance and things like that but yeah. it's just like a big family and you need the dad you need the grandfather or the grandmother you need roles in the organization like that that keeps the organization surviving so i'm i'm certainly near the age of being a granddad <laughs> so <laughs> I, i'm the granddad uh yeah i'm the ceo but it's many people coming together to make the organisation function and to flourish and to and to survive. And we've had some some big financial battles, mm. but you know we're we're surviving and we're just doing the you know so so good. Mm. So you're Such CEO of Graham. See, so you're CEO of Gunnawira currently. Yes. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah, and I sit on the board, and we got uh, very got four black fellows sitting on the board. So look, when I took on the position a couple of years ago, uh, I've always um, wanted to do things with everyone. Mm. Uh, I don't go around changing things or doing things without everyone being part of it. That's how, to me, the organisation can work. If everyone has an idea or say, we sit down and we talk about it, then we put those things in place and all I wanted to do when I became CEO was look uh, all our work is about uh, trauma grief and pain mm. and, and supporting and providing care and treatment for whether it's our mothers or our children or our families in the country it's all about providing that support that's needed to get them to turn their life around to make their life happier uh, and give them good health and education. So uh, it used to be, if you wanted to call it, the heart of the organisation was a Western way of healing. Yes. I've now, with support of the board, made culture as the heart of the organisation with everything else flowing around that culture. So we still run, we still have Western ways of healing, which is like psychologists, 
psychotherapists, art therapists, speech therapists, uh, occupational therapists, all those specialised areas are there to, to treat the children and the families, you know, but what, what sits right alongside it is the culture and, and, and you know, the impact of that, you yeah. know. So yeah. uh, it's about making sure that we're doing things respectfully and appropriately for all them different mobs are out there and it's working and it's um the great thing is that it's also educating all the non-aboriginal people and volunteers and students that come to the organization and and valuing that and simple things like putting in a native garden which um when our mothers groups two two mothers groups a week then mothers go into that garden pick off lemon myrtle lily pillies you know, native plants cook with those things and, and they're connecting and living their life like their ancestors did with nature mm. and and their children learning from that as well. So it's been a very special time for us when we started using more culture, you know, because um, I'm sure every blackfellow listening here understands that the, the culture is at the heart of many, many things. And when you include that in with what you're doing, um, people, uh, you know, they really value that and, and it changes. It changes lives. And we've experienced many of those things. Look, at Gunnawira is a community-led organisation, so we've always been listening and learning and wanting to, to work with communities. And... Their needs is what we set out to try and change or to try and find. And that's what we do now and that's what we'll continue to do. So uh, if people want to learn more about what we do, it's, um, just go to our website, Gunawira, and you can check out what we're doing. We look, we support around 1,500 families throughout Sydney and the state. Mm. We wish we could do more, but that's about... the. Our, our budget limit and stuff like that. We're shaking the government all the time to try and get more funding so we can get out there and work more, particularly in those country areas where there's a huge lack of uh, specialised people. Yes. Some 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 examples are like 12 months waiting list to get a child assessed by a speech therapist. Yeah. My God, we should be ashamed of ourselves to think that that's that's the situation. So we're we're trying to change that. We've got a speech therapist working in for us in Kempsey, but uh, it's only once a fortnight. But you know, we we want to change things. We want to listen to our people and and start getting the work work with them and changing the way that we do things. And because they need need that support, we need then preschool children to get as much. Uh, as a good start as they can, so it sets themselves up for life. So yeah, um, I agree, mate. Well, you, you you look at your own own journey experience and what you've been through compared to where things are now. Like we have come a long way, uh, I guess. Really, haven't we? That uh, there's organisations like yours around where you know back in the sixties, seventies, and eighties, there there wasn't anything like that. And and you know you've had to battle through the hard way, but I think these kids have got. The ability to be able to get a foundation and 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 have the uh, like support 
uh, and arms wrapped around them that can actually help give them belonging. And I just want to touch on something really personal, Graham. Um, there's lots of people like you felt that disconnection as a young fellow and, and moving into adult life and you found that by going through Aboriginal studies and getting reconnected with your, you know, your your Aboriginal side and, and, and that. And see, for me personally, we believe like right back, my great-great-grandfather was Indigenous, uh, an Indigenous Aboriginal man, but there's been no proof of that. Um, there's, there's, there's conflict around whether that was true or not. Um, yeah, so the average person, a lot of the white men out there are really disconnected, mate. They, they, they really are because we've had, you know, geez, all these mixtures of races and all that sort of come into our blood. And there's also, you know, quite a, quite a bit of intergenerational trauma, trauma going on, uh, within a lot of white men that are walking around in society as well. And, um, you know, what you're doing is actually giving people the ability to be able to be connected to the strong spirit that Aboriginal Australia is. And, mate, I really, I'm so grateful we've had this conversation because it's just, um, it's helped me realise the importance of that and, and, and what you're doing, you know, as an individual and, and all the things that you've actually come through that have taken you to you to where you are now have all happened for a reason, you know. Like that guy at that TAFE calling you back into that room, if that hadn't happened, then, you know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't be having this chat to me. And, um, you know, all these little things that have happened at the right time just haven't happened by fluke. It's just occurred because your job here as a man has um, evolved to where it is now. And look at the wonderful things that's come from that. Yeah, look, uh, my, my message to people, you know, particularly black fellas, is that... Um, our spirituality, to me, makes up every breath that we take. Yeah. It's part of every breath that we take. And we've got to, at those moments, just reflect and take hold of those because, to me, I feel like the spirit of our land and our ancestors is with us daily. Mm-hmm. And we've got to grab hold of that and make something very positive out of it and take control of that and say, you know what? That's who I am as an Aboriginal person, and that gives me power. That gives me confidence. It gives me healing to be able to to live right now and to live. and And tomorrow's another day. It's another challenge. Mm. But you know, to to make the most of you know, to me, I always reflect on the culture and how lucky I am that I have that connection to the country. And on those really dark and and hard days that i've got to experience and and work through i i grab hold of that and i reflect and and just remind myself that that's who i am and yeah it this this won't last long um this tough period and then something positive will come out of it it's a very tough thing but um you know you you gotta you gotta just keep being strong and battle through uh, the pain and, and all those things, but really value, you know, that bloodline that you have and, and knowing that your ancestors are around protecting. And like that, my, crow, my, my father's totem, which he gave me as a crow. So I see crows all the time and I don't think, oh, they're just doing their business. I think they're watching me and protecting me. 100%. You know, so I grab, I grab, moments like that 
and just yeah. that makes me feel better. Connected, you know? so, absolutely, yeah. But, you know, art's such a great tool as well, healing tool, encourage those fellows out there, you know, art's in your blood because it, that's what your ancestors have always been doing. Mm. We've always been creative. So, you know, grab grab it and, and start doing something with it because it, it'll provide the the healing, it'll provide the connection that where where you come from. It's embedded in that spiritual feeling that you can grab all of that and, and paint that, you know? Mm. Oh, mate, absolutely agree. It's within all of us, you know, to be able to create or tap into that creative side. Um, uh, my mum always told me that I never had a musical bone or an artistic bone in my body. <laughs> But now I'm starting to explore that more, you know. I've got a few instruments and I want to learn to paint. And I just think when, when you're doing things like that, like creative pursuits, it takes you out of your ego, you know. None of the identity actually really um, takes, takes hold. Um, you, you're, not, you're not Graham, you're not Aaron. You're just a human being that's expressing themselves through, uh, through something. And, um, you know, that, that's a real... A real gift and a real blessing um, to be able to actually, you know, come to things like that. Uh, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. mate. Um, yeah. I, I think Graham, um, uh, we've we've had a pretty deep conversation, um, and I'm I'm really grateful for everything you've shared. How can people get hold of you if they want to touch base with you to learn a bit about Gunawira, but also about your art? Um. Yeah, look, they can look at my website, um, grahamtoomey.com, yeah. or if they want to learn more about uh, Gunnawira, it's uh, just the same thing, website, gunnawira.org.au. But, um, look, if you want to share my number with fellas, I'm more always happy to yarn with someone and help, help in any way I can, so... Because cool. uh, I always to... look, I Sorry. always look at things like if someone reaches out to me for something, well, maybe in turn I can, they, I can learn from them something as well, you know. But we're all, we're all in it together. We, like you said, we're humans. We're here to try and help each other and support each other, and and that, that's a special thing. Oh, I agree, mate. That that that's right. And uh, humanology is something that. Um, that I've, I've certainly looked more and more deeply into over the years and just how we're meant to flow as humans, you know, what, what our role is on this earth, what we were put here, you know. We weren't here just to get a tax file number and uh, make money, get a super and die, you know. That, that's, not our, that's not our purpose. Um, our purpose is to, to be connected to each other, connected to the land and to be able to, you know, kiss the earth that we walk upon because that's a gift once you get out of that, you see the crows, I see the butterflies, that gets me connected, you know. There's all these special things that are happening around us consistently that can actually get us back to feeling our spirit again. And, um, you know, I, I reckon that, that that's why we're here. We're actually be, we're here to be part of something that's really, really unique, not to just, you know, earn money, whether we've got a, a little bit of it or a lot of it, it doesn't matter. We're all the same as human beings, mate. And... Um, you know, I'm really grateful that we've had this conversation, Graham. I'm sure we're going to have another one uh, in the future. We'll do another podcast on a, on a particular topic that we've touched on tonight. And I really encourage some of the listeners to, to touch base with me if they want to connect with you. I can pass on your number or uh, let us know about a particular topic that Graham's sort of gone 
uh, through tonight, which you'd like to learn more about, and we could maybe run another podcast from that. So really appreciate you, you being here with me, mate. Oh, I'm so grateful for you opening up and, and sharing your journey. Yeah, no, thank you. Look, and, and you know, like sharing is healing. Yeah. Uh, it always has been for our people. Like traditionally sitting around that yarning circle or that healing circle, it's the same thing. And I uh, just thank you for the opportunity to share with yourself and your listeners because it it helps me with my healing. It helps me with the connection that I feel. And I, I feel that, you know, if, if there's one listener out there that got something out of it, well, then we've achieved something. But yeah. um, ha- happy to help any of the, the listeners out there if they want to touch base with me. But th- thanks again, Aaron, for the opportunity. I oh, appreciate it, mate. Guys, uh, thank you for listening to, to Graham. Um, that was a very, very deep um, uh, conversation and opening from him uh, to talk about his journey uh, and what he's been through. And, and his story, uh, although it's unique, is very common um, throughout uh, Indigenous uh, Aboriginal Australians. Um, we, we've just got to really learn to observe the behaviour of people and what might be behind that before we, we judge. Um, it's so important to actually understand within ourselves that uh, everyone's got a, uh, a story to tell, a journey, uh, and um, to be able to actually respect individuals for, for what they've been through and who they actually are. And, and my big passion is to try and help people learn tools to heal so they can you know, come back home and, and, and live their purpose and passion like Graham's doing. You know, he's, if he hadn't have walked, um, if he had walked out of that room that day when that guy called him back, um, you know, we wouldn't have had this conversation and we, uh, we wouldn't have been able to be blessed with the tremendous gifts that Graham's been able to provide to the world. You know, his, his um, paintings are awesome. Um, so if you want to check out grahamtoomey.com.au, um, you know, just to see what he's actually done, it's it's pretty incredible. Um, thanks for joining me, guys. If you want to touch base, as I said, I really appreciate your feedback on this uh, podcast um, and um, yeah, I hope you respect... Uh, uh what what graham's had to say um so yeah please touch base to me support at outbackmind.com.au uh the website is uh thank you guys we've got some more uh, uh aboriginal uh, australians coming on uh in the near future um so i'm looking forward to having those conversations as well appreciate you being here cheers